So I had this guy, he was, I don't know, he was giving some kind of presentation and he was trying to use an analogy and the analogy was this. And I don't even remember what the analogy tied to anymore, but the analogy was, so you know how when a guy falls out of a plane and first off, like that statement right there, like, no, I don't. Are people falling out of planes? But anyway, this apparently in the story falls out of the plane and he goes, and what happens is like, this is like, I don't Well, I don't know, but he goes, what happens is that when when you hit the when you fall out of a plane and you hit the ground, the first impact doesn't kill you. It breaks all of your bones and then you bounce up and then the second time you come down it kills you. And I want to know what I want to know how they did that research. <laughs> right? He's like, like what? All right, Gary, you jump. <laughs> measure in between. Like, we got to measure in between though. Measuring the, is he dead? Is he dead? Is he dead? So if oh, I can, if again. I can design like an airbag life, de, airbag like device that stopped you from hitting the ground the second time, so like you hit, it breaks all your bones, you bounce up, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, and you land, you'll survive. All your bones will be broken, but you'll survive with right. that knowledge. That's what that's what you would have to do to be able to measure if that person was alive between. So somehow he's claiming that there is a there's research out there that shows that someone is still alive when they bounce back up. First of all, how many case studies are there? <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense at all. This is the like you just show up and it's just a splat. First of all, if you ever actually seen someone fall from a height, it's not just like a body with broken bones. Like right. it's a splat. But anyway, you show up and you just see the splat, and you're like, oh no, it's definitely the second bounce that did that. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense at all. So anyway, well, that's funny. Speaking of which, let's talk about patient assessments. <laughs> this is a good tie-in into tie. our topic today. Yeah. So interesting uh, topic today, and interesting way that we're going to be doing it. So we are going to be doing a VR scenario. So if you're listening to this, I would recommend that when we get to the point, we'll tell you when it's going like that. You at some point jump on YouTube or go to guardian CME or go somewhere where you can watch the video portion of this too. And actually on Spotify, you can watch video now. Yes. So our videos are also all going to be on Spotify. Yeah. So you should see it there, but don't watch something and drive. Assuming you're driving, don't watch anything. Yes. I don't know. I'm just talking to the few individuals that might be driving their car right now. Okay. I listen to a lot of my podcasts in the car. So do I. Okay. Okay. I watch movies in the car too. You watch movies oh, in the yeah, car? All the time. Not move not full movies, but like I can't. I tried it before I get, and I have to watch the screen, which means I'm not watching the road. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I'll be like watching something or like I'll watch a podcast that's a video podcast and then like I'll realize like I don't really know how I've been driving so well. Like how did I get here? Like I don't really have much recollection of like what happened on the road because that happened passively, but I'm really engaged with something on the screen. Dangerous. I think it just means my periphery is like spot on no, or something. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put your eggs in that bag again. Yeah, I'm probably the best <laughs> driver out there. So anyway, we are going to be doing a VR scenario uh, with a little partnership we have with VR Patients. So thank you so much for letting us use your technology. Actually, what's very cool is uh, VR Patients does things a little bit differently. So VR Patients, um, as opposed to like providing you with pre-built cases, VR Patients will sell their software to educators or individuals that want to build out their own cases using their kind of own unique like UI. So you'll have like a bunch of patients to choose from. You'll have like sample scenarios that you can choose from and then change a bunch and make like whatever you want to happen in that scenario happen. And it's, it's really neat technology. It's pretty immersive. And this is, I mean, this is game changing for healthcare education. Virtual reality right now, I mean, it's still in its infancy. Like there's a lot of stuff you can't do, but there is so much you can do. And when we talk about like lack of clinical spots to be able to test, I mean, the more realistic you can make scenarios, the better students retain. Most VR healthcare education companies out there or who are doing healthcare education, again, to your point, will like pre-build the case you could pay them tens of thousands of dollars to pre-build the cases that you want but then you only have those three or four cases right Right. this is crazy cool because now i can go in and i can change well what happens to the vital signs when the student does this versus when they do this i mean there's the all of a sudden it's like endless possibilities of people being able to build out clinical scenarios for everyone to enjoy. And it's immersive learning that inspires experiential learning. So instead of having to go out and make mistakes in the field, you can make mistakes in the VR space. It's so immersive that like that connects to students' memories so much better. Mm -hmm. And then you can be out in the field and experience something and go, you know what, I've experienced this before. Not in real life, you know, but in virtual life. And it was very similar and I know what to do, you know. Mm -hmm. So what a cool, unique tool to start. Um, expanding our yeah. education. So anyway, thank you, VR Patients, for letting us use that. You guys can check out 
uh, VR patients free scenarios too. We're doing two of the three free scenarios that they offer for you to sample the product. Um, and I think you get that at App Lab on like Oculus. But if you just search for VR patients on Oculus or any any headset, you'll be able to find it. Um, very cool. You stuff. can also do their cases just on the web too. You don't ha- you can build out. So if you don't have a VR headset, it doesn't mean that you can't still go in, go to vrpatients.com download their software and build cases on the web, which your students can then do on the web. You, yeah, they're, they're like a, mouse stop click saying on the web. It makes you sound ancient on the, on the online, on the worldwide on web, the world. on the, on the internet. If you've like ever on, been, on if you Al Gore's new you, worldwide web. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So, so no, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. So you can do, yeah, more scenario based, like, uh, just on your desktop mm-hmm. where like you move the guy around. It's not like you're when you move your head, you move your head, but you can get any view that you want. You can like get closer to them. You can change. Um, I don't know. It, it's very cool. So a couple caveats with this is VR patients and, and most, um, you know, VR software right now where we're at, like this isn't augmented reality yet. So it, we're not like learning how to intubate a patient by like, we're not getting like the feel of holding a blade. Like obviously that stuff needs to be done in, uh, a clinic or it needs to be done in your practicals you know you have to get practice doing that but what vr patients allows you to do is like such a great assessment build you know you can really build your skills assessing a patient and be able to look at those things and and go through the list which is why we wanted to tie this to an assessment ce so uh, that being said if you are a paramedic emt uh, mfr iemt anything like that um Pre-hospital providers, you guys can get a free continuing education credit by listening and watching this podcast at guardiancme.com. So check that out, www.guardiancme.com. And you can watch this episode and uh, take a quiz and get some credits for it, which is awesome. So before we jump into... Yeah, it is free. For free. I guess I should probably say that more often. It's like the most important part. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody cares. So before we jump into the cases, we got two cases that we're going to do. I'll do one. Chris will do one, and we'll kind of walk each other through it using the assessment. Um, I do want to just kind of break down what the pre-hospital assessment is. And this is a great, like, if you're a nurse or you're a doctor, too, like, this is a really great systematic approach. I very much feel like ACLS pals, like, those build-outs of the systematic approach are nearly exactly marrying what a paramedic assessment is a lot of time or an EMT assessment. And it makes sense, right, because we rule out life threats first, and then we go into more detailed physical assessments. So... Um, just to quickly review that, we're just going to take a few minutes and then you can watch the scenarios and we'll do a quick debriefing on it. So um, typical patient assessment, we're going to start by obviously making sure that we're BSI. protected. Yeah, BSI, body substance isolation, making sure that we're protected. We have gloves, mask on, whatever we need. Gloves, mask on. That's the first thing that we need to do in every scenario. Um, then we want to determine that the scene is safe before we approach, right? Um, so we're going to make sure that that's there. there's no hazards. There's not an electrical line sitting there. There's not a fire. There's not... The guy's not in water and I don't have equipment to rescue him, right? So we determine the seam stays. And then we wanted to just kind of quickly in our mind's eye. I, I always like to call this like initial scene size of sort of like the door assessment. We can do this from the door, you know, before we have approached the patient even. Just try to determine the mechanism of injury if they're injured or the nature of their illness if they're ill, right? So if they are lying at the bottom of the ladder and you see blood spurting out of their neck, the mechanism of injury is probably they fell from that ladder. But we, like we know this is or a Or they got case. stabbed underneath the ladder. You don't know. Scene safety. Scene safety. (laughs) I would look for criminals. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, or the nature of illness. So if I have someone who's, you know, tripoded, clutching their chest and breathing heavily, I know that that might be a respiratory or a cardiac thing, right? So we can get kind of a general idea. That's your gut feeling of what's going on. Uh, Determine the number of patients, obviously. That's going to come with the territory there. Uh, And then request additional help if necessary. So if I have five patients, I'm going to call people. If it looks like an advanced trauma and I'm a basic, maybe I need to call for you know, a paramedic to help out. Or if I'm a nurse and I walk into a room and there's someone on the floor bleeding, I might want to like hit that call button and get a bunch of nurses in there to help me out. So uh, next, what you want to do, consider stabilization of the spine. Why are you looking at me so intensely? <laughs> I was just picturing, because I'm picturing like the paramedic scenario where like he gets on scene, he or she gets on scene. He's like, oh my gosh, there's five victims here. But then I picture like this nurse walking into like a patient's room being like, why are there five patients in here? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, Consider stabilization of the spine. So whether they had a medical issue or a trauma issue, recognize that like if they are positioned on the floor in an awkward situation, like it might be both. I might have had a heart attack and then fallen over. My hip might have broken and then I fell over and I smashed my head. And then I started having trouble breathing. That's a very paramedic specific like first responder thing. I disagree. 
If I walked into a room and one of my patients was laying there, I would stay well, that's true. I guess, I guess I'm that's thinking more on the doctor side. Like, I don't. Listen, you live in this cushy world where all these other <laughs> providers fix things up for you and I'm they're like, sitting nicely be, on a clean bed for you, like, waiting, all packaged you, up. I'm going to be honest with you. My door assessment would be clearly my nurses didn't do what they needed to. I'm going to have to go have, talk to them before I treat this patient. I don't do that. I hope not. I don't. I don't think most do. No, I don't think so either. That's what I'm going to say, at least to make old school way of treating healthcare people. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes the roles are reversed a little bit. What? Like, I think sometimes the nurses walk in the room and then they come on and give me a lecture. (laughs) I feel like that happens to me a lot, actually. Because you need one. (laughs) So, okay. So, anyway, we consider stabilization of the spine, whether it's a medical or a trauma. We just want to consider that. So, then you start your initial assessment. Your initial assessment is going to be your life threats, your ABCs, right? So, ABCDE is what we do now. So, this is if this is if you've taken ACLS or PELS, like you should be very familiar with this assessment. So, airway. uh, First, verbalize your general impression of the patient. So your general impression is like, do they look like crap or do they not look like crap, right? And we do this in ACLS and and PALS too. Your general impression is really important because you want to have an idea of like, does this seem severe or not right off the bat, right? Mm -hmm. That gut feeling, like we can't really like scientifically describe that, but it is important to recognize your intuition as a provider. So we basically want to know. This is another cool thing about VR and like VR patients though, is that seeing patients in a certain like looking a certain way in vr like all of a sudden like adds to your repertoire of like how many patients you've seen maybe you just saw them in vr but it's still like you saw a person tripoding you saw a person unconscious you saw yeah. like it, it it may not be full reality reality but like it gives you these like scenarios to look back like i remember when i had that case and like you, you didn't, but you, right. you did. That's what's so cool about it. Well, know? that's what, like, it is the natural progression of education. Like, any narrative question, I would argue, would be better in a VR scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Any narrative question. Mm-hmm. So, because, like, there's ways to kind of, like, cheat with the narrative stuff, too, where it's like, they only gave me the information that I need to know to solve the question. So, like, I have limited information, but that actually helps me zone in on it from a test giver perspective and i'm going to go off on a tangent here about education yeah. but from a test giver perspective it's better to give someone a vr scenario because then there's a bunch of factors they have to consider and they have to narrow in on what i'm specifically asking them about it something to think about anyway moving on initial assessment verbalize the general impression of the patient determine their level of consciousness or responsiveness hey are you okay are you okay think back to cpr hey are you okay like you are you walk okay? in you they, wow miss jones you look like crap she doesn't get mad Maybe she's not. Maybe conscious. she's unresponsive. Got it. Uh, determine the chief complaint or apparent life threats. So this is where, like, if their ABCDE is like taken care of, you don't see that at a glance. You can be like, "What's your problem? Why'd you call?" Right. Mm-hmm. But then apparent life threats are going to be your ABCDE. So airway. Mm-hmm. What do we want to know about the airway? Is it patent? Is it patent? Patent. Have we patented the no, airway? Patent. Do we own it? No. Patent. But if you think about it, do we own that airway? Is a good example. Yeah, it's pronounced patent. It drives me insane that people call it patent. Patent is something that you get when you're an engineer. Stop it. <laughs> just knock it <laughs> off. <laughs> patent. Is the airway patent just means is it open, is it cleared, right? Uh, what if it's not? So in the initial assessment, if we ever run into an issue, we fix it right away. So right. if it's not open, what do we do? Patent it. We open <laughs> <laughs> We open it, right? Open so it. we can do this with just manual maneuvers. We could drop an OPA or an NPA. We could intubate them. We could do all sorts of things, Jaw right? thrust, chin lift. You got it. So open it. Um, breathing. Are they breathing or not? Mm-hmm. How are they breathing? So we want to know, is it too fast? Is it too slow? Is it shallow? You know, what's the quality of the breathing? And then what can we do about that? We can right away, if they're not breathing, start breathing for them with a BVM and drop an OPA. We can, you know, uh, start pacing up their respirations or pacing down their respirations. We can put them on oxygen. We can do things right away to uh, fix that, right? Mm-hmm. And again, we don't have to necessarily like fix that whole problem before we can ever recognize that they have circulation. Well, or like that. This is all happening kind it's of like simultaneously. Addressing the issue is different than fixing it. Like you don't have to wait yes. for it to be fixed, but you need to address it. So yeah. if I put oxygen on you, I'm going to address the issue. I should reassess. Reassessment is always a key piece, right? right? But I can also probably move on. And that's where like this argument gets into like with the CPR assessment, we switched it to like CAB versus like ABC. And it's like, it doesn't really matter, guys. Like you should be able to do these three things at once. Like right. that's where assessment and doing VR scenarios and things like that will help you become practiced in i can have multiple pieces of information coming at me at once and handling multiple issues at once and that's that's something that you have to kind of breed into yourself so um next would be circulation um 
that includes like controlling major bleeding, right? That's a circulation issue. So if there's like blood spewing out of them, I obviously want to get some hands on that. Gloved hands, because we already put our BSI on. Mm-hmm. Gloved hands on that, get some pressure on that, and try to control that major bleeding. Um, but we want to assess their pulse. We don't just want to check if there's a pulse or not. We want to see, is it going too fast? Is it going too slow? Is it thready? Is it irregular? Like, does is this cooling me in that I maybe should get an EKG? Mm-hmm. Um, and then while our hands are on that patient, we're checking that, that palpable pulse. We should be checking the carotid because the lowest blood pressure that you can have, um, that's not... Wow, I worded that terribly. <laughs> it's the lo- so you're gonna lose you catch, your yeah, yeah. you'll catch the carotid pulse the latest. Yeah, you were about to say way better. Yeah, go ahead. I think you screwed me up though. No, I'm saying the the you will lose your you will lose a pulse in the radial and brachial. The brachial before you lose in the carotid. Right, the carotid yeah. is the closest to the heart. So it's the last bastion. You, we we go there first because then we can say yes or no. They have a pulse. If they don't have a carotid, their heart's not beating. Right. If they don't have a radial, well, their heart could still be beating. I don't need to start chest comp- – the, the, the right. next decision is chest compression, so we go right, right to the carotid. Well, the thing is, is if they don't have a carotid, their heart could be beating, but it is not beating adequately enough to actually circulate their blood, which means you need to do CPR either way. It, mm-hmm. It's equivalent yeah. to just not having a pulse. But right. I, I, like, I've done this before where I go carotid first, and then I'll move down to radial. Mm-hmm. And then if I don't have a radial, I mean, that's like, oh, shoot, this person's like Lower blood about pressure. to die type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we used to be able to estimate, and I don't. I the numbers shift every once in a while. Or, oops, I was on the wrong side of the wrist. (laughs) (laughs) One of the two. We used to be able to estimate, like, radial could tell us that they usually have a systolic around uh, 70, and then it was like... 60 50 i think the numbers changed i don't know if it was completely debunked i think it's i think it's, it's like a street cheat it's not like a legitimate also like why would you not just take the blood pressure right <laughs> i don't know right so anyway you don't need to because you're so good at feeling the radio yes, pulse. just feeling that um cool so abc's right we check that circulation while we're touching them and we're looking at their skin we should assess their skin so is it you know pale cool clammy is it red is it gray is it how how's the how's the oh i can't i think of the tenting is it tenting how hydrated is this patient Mm -hmm. you know things like that um and then we can go ahead based on that information we can sort of decide you know what the patient's priority is right so if we bumped into an issue in that initial assessment it usually increases their higher priority right Mm -hmm. so for you pre-hospital providers listening to this you're going to be thinking like Probably a priority one patient if like their airway is compromised, right? right? If you're able to fix that, maybe they're priority two. It all depends. You're gonna have to base that on your your training and your local protocol. And again, we when we get into priorities, it's more about how fast do I need to move? Can I stay and do some work? Do I need to get going right away? Do yeah. I need to call back up? Do I need to, you know? Like, yeah, triaging is very <clears> different <throat> for a pre-hospital provider and like the person in the ER who's triaging a patient, right? A nurse triager, you know, at the ER when you first come in is going to they're triaging the patient in terms of like where do I put them? You know, pre-hospital providers are triaging the patient in the, in the sense that like what am I reporting to how on fast, the radio? And how, and fast, how fast do I take I them? And where do I take them? Sometimes, exactly. you know what I mean? Like Exactly. So, like if Dr. Seitz is on shift, ooh, maybe we should probably... Yeah. A lot else. of times I would call medical direct, medical direction. If you answered the phone, I would hang up and I'd go to a different <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that so, was you all those times. <laughs> so, um, so then we can move on to a focused history and physical examination or a rapid assessment, depending on what we're bumping into, right? So we want to figure out the signs and symptoms of the patient... And then a history of their present illness. So we want a focused history. I don't care if you got your tonsils taken out when you were, you know, 13. I want to know, like, have you had chest pain before or have you ever had a feeling like this before, right? So signs and symptoms, we're going to go through that. And then we're going to kind of, in a different way than, like, a lot of docs will do a full physical exam all the time because they're they're looking at health a little bit more holistically. We're talking a little bit more about acute situations. I don't know if we do. Well, you're an ER doc. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I mean, like, I feel like if anybody would, it's an ER doc. Yeah. Like, like, like you mean, because, like, but, I mean, we do a very focused exam. Like, because the cardiologist in, isn't doing a full exam. Well, because someone has already examined them, and then yeah, they focus in on his issue. you relying on that either, right? Like, you should always do your own exam. Yeah. It's kind of a general rule. So, like, technically, I feel like every doctor should be doing a full exam on every patient that they see. Yeah, but a cardiologist isn't in the same situation. We're talking about kind of like more of an emergency assessment. A cardiologist doesn't have to walk into a room and be like, are they breathing? (laughs) Their job is to work on the heart. You know what I mean? So it's like that's a prepackaged patient for them. So you can give them a break, Chris. I don't know. This constant battle between (laughs) ER physicians and cardiology needs to stop. Just collaborate. All right, fine. All right. So anyway, then we want to kind of go down the – 
different like pathologies and kind of rule things out. So like, for instance, if they had an altered mental status, we want to start talking about like onset duration, like get an OPQRST sort of thing, get a sample history based on that, and then start tying in ruling out factors from there, right? Um, if they had a respiratory issue, same thing, onset, provocation, quality, does it radiate? Is there severity? It doesn't really fit with respirations. I don't know why they have that on here. Like how does your, is your respiration issue, is your tachypnea radiating anywhere? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's... I don't know how that would happen. <laughs> like my butt. It's like, no, you're just farting. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, then you want to get a basic sample history. So sample is a, is a great acronym. A lot of nurses don't know about sample, which I, I try to like teach as much as I can. I learned it in pre-hospital stuff. And then as a nurse, I applied all the time. But sample history is a great history taking tool. So signs and symptoms, their allergies, their medications, their past pertinent medical history. Again, I don't care if you got your tonsils taken out. Your last oral intake. So this could be meds or food or whatever. Um, and then E would be events leading up to the incident. Now, we really only use OPQRST to evaluate pain. And that's where I said it doesn't. So like if you have pain, I can say the onset of that that pain. So when did it, how, how did it come about? The provocation of that pain. Does anything make it worse or better? The quality of the pain. How would you describe it? It feels like a throbbing. It feels like an elephant sitting in my chest, right? radiation is it traveling anywhere severity how bad is it on a scale one to ten again we don't care if they give us something outside of that scale we want to know if that number is going down or up so when someone gives you 117 it doesn't matter like don't, don't get mad yeah and then uh t time the difference between onset and time at the beginning of this assessment is onset is how it came about i was mowing the lawn when i started to have chest pain versus the time is i was mowing the lawn a half hour ago and it's been going on that long it's just funny because you said tea time. I'm thinking like a doctor being like, tea and time. like at the end and of that, when's the tea? When's my next tea sure time? I need tea. to make sure I got enough time to get there. So, okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, we go through that that sample history. That's when we can start doing physical examination on the affected body part or system. Or if we don't know it still, then we can do like a rapid body, full body assessment. We can kind of go through, does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? Check every system and, and move down there. At that same time, we're doing vital signs. We're going to get some basic vitals on them. Um, and then we can start applying interventions relevant to the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for paramedics, EMTs, you know, pre-hospital, then we would consider our transport decisions. You know, when, when, should, we, when should we transport and where should we go? And how fast should we be moving? And then, um, again, we have in our, in our paramedic assessment, we have, like, verbalized the consideration for completing a detailed physical exam, right? So at this point, like, have I solved the problem and everything's going well and I have I have solved the mystery or do I need to do a more detailed physical exam in these systems, right? Um and then you have your ongoing ses- assessment beyond that. So you're going to continue to do these things. Repeat your initial assessment constantly. Whenever there's a change in patient condition, repeat your initial assessment. Did they lose their airway? Did they lose their breathing? Are they, how's their circulation? And anytime things change, right? So anytime yeah. you do anything. So if I put you on oxygen, I'm reassessing. As I, you know, give you, you know, an aspirin or a more, like, you're reassessing yes. every time you're doing something too. Yep. So. And that's what it says. Repeat vital signs, obviously, and then repeat focused assessment regarding the patient's complaint or injuries. Here's some pain medication. Do you feel better? <laughs> You're not right. just going to leave then, right? Right, right? So here's some pain medication. What's the pain now? You know, mm-hmm. you got to give that time to to carry out, which is another unique aspect of VR patients is like, You'll not, you're not going to be able to like give fluid and then instantly see the blood pressure go up. It, it takes time to do that. And you can program that into your scenarios where it's like it's going to take five minutes to see a change, that's cool. which is pretty neat. Yeah. So, all right, cool. So that's the assessment that we're going to be following. That's the basic uh, like patient assessment management for a medical emergency. I think that it can be heavily applied in other medical areas in terms of physicians and nurses using this as well. It's a great systematic approach. Again, that's how we build out ACLS and PALS, a great systematic approach to how to approach a patient. We're going to demonstrate this now for you in our VR scenarios. So, um, hope you enjoy it. And oh, it doesn't so go come as, on! I hope <laughs> it doesn't go as off the rails as it did the first time we did it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Which good. was just me and Chris like laughing about everything in VR because we were so amazed by the situation. Yeah, it was awesome. So, all right, all cool. Right, let's let's jump check in. it out, and we'll see you back in here in a second. Your dispatch information was for a female with jaw pain. Go. That's it? Okay. Well, so, okay, so this is this is the first case, right? So we're going to jump in here, and here in VR patients, I could play to get the case going. Um, so you said my dispatch information was what now? Jaw pain. Woman with jaw pain. All right, cool. And go. Go. So the first thing I'm going to do, we went over our assessment, BSI. I'm going to put on my gloves on these invisible hands. So you can do that in the scenario, too. I can do that in here. Okay, go to assessment. I'm going to, oh, there we go. Look at this, PPE. I'm going to put gloves on. Um, and I'm looking around, and I'm probably going to put a gown, a 95, a 95, and a face shield as well. Okay. Because this bathroom's disgusting. All right. Good. 
Um, so BSI, so now scene safety. Clearly, looking around here, scene is not safe at all. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I, there's, I don't understand, where is everybody else? This is a very shady, shady experience. I don't feel comfortable. So I'm gonna call for backup. Okay, so BSI, scene safety, and now... What is her mechanism of injury or nature of illness? Okay, so I'm gonna do my from the door exam here, right? I'm looking at her, she's kind of like holding herself, leaning over, she doesn't look like she's very comfortable, right? Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna basically then go well, there's only, into... There's only one patient, right? You yeah, don't need to one for patient. any additional help, and it doesn't seem like you need to consider C-spine because she's just sitting there. Correct. Correct. Cool. Correct. So now we want to kind of go through our ABCs. ABCs, right? So airways patent, like yes, she's she's moving around here, talking to me. I don't you know can if I get, can get down on your level. Yep, there you go. Oh, yep, you okay? Okay. Hello. All right. Um, breathing. So let me grab my stethoscope here, and so I can see that she's breathing well, but I'm gonna, I can kind of listen to her lungs here too. Oh yeah. Nice All and right, clear. So breathing's good. Yep. Breathing's good, and she's got a good rate going here. Um. You can palpate a pulse. I can palpate a pulse. Let's see. Should palpate be right there. Pulse. Yep. Mm -hmm. With this, with these fingers. So now, if you put it on her carotid, you should be able to feel it. Yep, I can feel it. Look at it. It gives so it to cool. me right here. Heart rate yeah. 108. Okay. All right. So she's a little a little bit tachycardic. It's a good pulse. Can I feel her wrist too? Yes, I can. Heart rate 108. Okay. All right, so airways patent, breathing seems good. And while you're um, checking that circulation, other things that you're looking for would be like her skin color, you know, verbal. It's always yep. good to verbalize that in scenarios so instructors know like. It's a good point. So yeah. skin color looks good here. I'm gonna pinch her skin. She got any tentine, things like that? Nope, okay, that looks good. <laughs> and then. Um, so what's your general impression of this patient? Like My general impression that is like, she's not, she's, She's stable right now, it seems like, as far as I can tell for so far. Yeah. But, there, but something's going on, right? She's sure. a little tachycardic, she's a little tachypnic maybe, she doesn't look like she's feeling very well. So we could call this like potentially unstable in an EMS scenario, like we're thinking priority two right now. Sure. So now I'm gonna ask her a little bit about what's going on. Um, patient info, where is this going? So you would go to... Uh, assess, there should be a question. Treat. I need to find the questions. Pause it real quick. Oh, that doesn't help you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Unpause, not leave. Oh, dialogue. Here we go. Yeah, dialogue. dialogue. Questions. Okay. All right. Okay. So, ma'am, I'm a paramedic with EMS. Can you tell me your name? Cheryl. 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 Nice to meet you, Cheryl. How old are you? 63. 63-year-old Cheryl. And who called EMS? I called 911. You did, okay. Uh, I want to ask you why. So you want to know what her chief complaint is, right? Or right. Uh, why did you call EMS? I go. just don't feel right. That's I'm even right. a little winded. She's a little winded. She's not feeling right. Okay, whoa. What is this here? Don't mind if I do. All right, so I've got my, uh, my monitor here. I'll set that down there. I'm going to ask her a little bit more. Um, how long have you been experiencing this complaint? For most of the day today. Most of the day today. Um, how would you describe your pain or symptoms? I'm not sure. Man. Somewhat sore or achy. Very unhelpful. So sore, <laughs> achy in her jaw, apparently, with some mm -hmm. shortness of breath. And let's see, when did it start? When I woke up. You so woke up this morning? maybe six or seven hours ago. Six or seven hours ago, okay. And how would you rate your pain? Six. So this Six. is a great like OPQRST assessment that we're doing on her pain level, which is perfect. This is all part of a kind of a getting a sample history on the patient. This is a demo scenario, so it may not allow us to get like super deep into the sample history, but obviously we'd be asking signs and symptoms. Are you allergic to anything? Oh, medication. Sure she takes an erectile dysfunction no. medication. She says no. <laughs> there you go. Well, that might be useful in this case right. coming yeah, up here. So. so. Um, so then we can move on. Like so there's a lot of questions here. So I, I, I'm getting the general gist, right? Like yeah. she's got jaw pain, she's feeling short of breath. Like, okay, this sounds like maybe cardiac related. She's a little tachycardic. So now I'm gonna put her on the monitor. Yeah, and I'm I always like to get... describe like the secondary assessment is all about like asking questions. It's getting info. There's two ways we get info, right? We ask questions and we also look at vital signs and we use tools. Right. So exactly. now we can go so ahead I'm and run it all. I'm gonna SPO2, get a heart rate. I'm gonna go with her blood pressure. I'm gonna set it for every three minutes. Um, get her temperature, 
Uh, and it's always just good to get an accurate check so I'm get all these things. So now I've got my monitor, i got stuff going on here, so let's take a look. I've got a heart rate of 108, which we knew, blood pressure 136 over 88, so that's good. Respirate's 24, so maybe a little ticket. Nick, temperature looks good, glucose is fine, and tidal's 36, SpO2 93%. So really vital signs, other than being a little bit tachycardic, I'm pretty comfortable with these vital signs otherwise. So that's good. So I'm then going to probably also get an EKG here, right? So why don't we get a 12 lead? Here it is. All right, taking a look at my 12 lead. We're not gonna go in through 12 leads, but many of you may be able to recognize that there's something kind of wrong here, right? So I've got some ST depressions in two, three, and where's AVF? AVF, and I've got some ST elevation in V1, V2, V3. And Those v latter leads look okay. So this is, a, oh, and I got some in AVL as well. So this is looking like probably an anterior wall MI, all right? And even if you didn't know it was anterior wall, I said, you, maybe not as, as up to date on your EKGs quite yet, we see these big elevations here, so ST elevation. So we do have septal there too, because I'm gonna pull that back up. The, yeah, so remember, it's, it's, you can tell a big lie, you can tell a little lie, otherwise you're not getting any ASS at all. So like, you have anterior leads V3 and V4. You should throw that out there, like it's just like a normal. Yeah, well, that's how we teach them, but okay. v, V3 and V4, anterior leads, right? Mm -hmm. And then septal leads would be V1 and V2, and that's where we're seeing like the really stark elevation mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. So, yep. and a lot of times those two areas are caught up in one another. So, sure, absolutely, cool. All right, so now what I need to do is I'm going to start to treat these kinds of symptoms and that she's having, right? So I'm going to get uh, first. I'm going to put an IV in. Uh, we're going to turn this on. We're going to do an antecubital in the left, and we're going to use a, an 18 gauge, and we'll just do some normal. Fluid lock for now, fluid rate, KVO, volume, we'll just put a 250 bag up, administer. It'll pop ah, that up for you, you get a little bag going. Here's your little bag over here. Awesome. All right, so now I put the IV in because I want to I want to give her some treatments here. The first one I want to give her, like I said, I'm thinking this is obviously like it's an ST elevation MI. I'm going to start with an aspirin. So let's pick, oh, there it is, aspirin. Uh, she looks like she can take oral fine. We'll give her 324. Baby aspirins, gave that to her. Now I'm also, she said her pain was like a six, so I'm also gonna probably give her some pain medication here. I'm gonna try, probably actually gave her some nitro first to see if that helps. Um, we'll we checked, yeah, we double checked her blood pressure. Her blood pressure was acceptable right. to be giving nitro. We're not gonna bottom her out or anything exactly. like that, so. So we'll give her 0. 0.4, 0. 0.4 usually of nitro. And give that to her. Now, I can run the blood pressure again if I want. You have now it recycling every three minutes, I, so it should pop up for you. So it should pop up for if me. If it changes. I might, like I said, no, I'm gonna kind of reassess her pain probably at this time too. I don't, like if, if, she, if her pain's improved with that nitro, I'm probably not gonna give morphine as well. Because mm -hmm. again, morphine might also drop her blood pressure a little bit, and I don't know, you know, I need to give this a minute to like, you know, recycle and tell me how her blood pressure's doing. Do you have her on oxygen yet, or is that just I do this? have her oxygen, yes. Okay, good. Right there. Um, so we've got oxygen, we've got, well, and you can see here, so I can like pick what I want. So nasal cannula. Cause um, I think you have end title on her. So technically you'd be full. It'd be silly to set up end title, not be flowing oxygen to right. do that at the same time. So, so give you an example. So I can do nasal cannula here and yeah, I don't know. What do you set? You do like four, four, four LPMs. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, I think what you can do is you can do treat and then hit transport. It'll take her over to the ambulance. And you've pretty much covered your. Uh, yeah, so this transfer. might also be the time. So I might I might move her into the ambulance now, right? And okay, now we're in the back of the ambulance. Now, as we're in transport, I might do my sample history, right? Ask her about a little bit more about her symptoms, allergies, medications, past medical history, last meal. Maybe start to do a more focused, like full physical exam, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty pretty straightforward going through. Uh, why don't we? Looks like her blood pressure is still looking okay, so I am going to give her some morphine. We're going to do IV, and we're going to give her an IV push of four million. And you know, she's kind of tiny. I might actually only give her two, not forty-two. You have eight seconds. Wait, Claire, two milligrams of morphine. Let's see if that makes her feel any better as well. Awesome. Look at that. We did it. 
<laughs> so there's no requirements <laughs> in this scenario. So, but no, but this is an excellent opportunity for you guys to get some practice, go through your assessment, practice going through that assessment. Um, you can do this, you know, with pressure or with no pressure. You know, you can you can put time constraints on it. You can, if you're an instructor, you can build these cases out however you want with whatever criteria you want. You could add trauma into this. You could add other medical issues. It's pretty amazing what you can do with the software. So, but great learning tool, great, great review of assessment. Uh, so... My turn. Let me jump in and Welcome try one. Welcome back two. to the garage. Welcome <laughs> to your next case in the subway. subway. It's abandoned and scary. <laughs> Is the scene safe? Probably not. Someone died over here. <laughs> we already have a stretcher in, so I'm assuming uh, scene is safe here. So first thing I want to start with is getting my PPE on. So I'm going to put some gloves on. I think I can do that in scenario, right? Yes, you can. Yep. Let me walk over here and unpause it. There we go. Oh, it's counting down this whole time? Crazy told me it was a pause. It was pause. All right, quick, we gotta catch up. So assess, PPE, gloves, goggles, gown, N95, whatever I wanna put on, I wanna make sure my PPE is on. Uh, scene is safe, I don't think I need to call for any help. I believe I have an invisible paramedic partner in this scenario that can do some things for me. Um, now let's go ahead and jump into- Do something about that. What? <laughs> yeah, so do something about that. Initial impression of the patient, kind of my door assessment. Not looking great, so we can see that she's like purple. She's obviously like not responsive at this time. So I could come up and in normal life, I would you know palpate or I would uh, like do a little sternal rub and see if she's responding to me. In this case, what we can do is we can do dialogue and just be like, "Ma'am, can you the hear me?" The patient provides no answer, and she can't because she's unresponsive. So that's very concerning. Obviously, I'm already thinking higher priority. I don't think I need to call for any backup because I'm a paramedic crew right now. We'll assume. So we're good to go there. We can handle an unresponsive patient. So uh, let's start running through the ABCs, Chris, unless I'm missing something. Uh, no, I would definitely go to the ABCs at this okay. point. So ABCs, airway. Um, I think the airway is open. I don't know. Let's, let's <laughs> uh, see. That's, that's questionable. Let's I don't know do. if you can in these scenarios, like, check if the... Specifically, the airway is, like... I'm checking her face, neck, chest. Yeah, sometimes, so you could put in the notes here and be like... Her airways patent, like in a face assessment, mm -hmm, if you wanted mm -hmm. to. There's a couple ways to do it if you're an educator. So let's assume the it. airways patent. So in let's this case. assume it's patent, and then we're gonna move on to breathing. So what I would want to do is use my stethoscope and take a listen. Oh gosh. Oh wow. It's really <laughs> slow. Okay, so that's bad. She's probably not breathing very well. Oh, you can turn the patient. And listen to the back. Oh, you do have an invisible paramedic yeah, see, partner. Yeah, invisible with partner. With blue hands. So I can listen to the back. I'm like right on the edge of the barrier here. I should probably... There we go. Okay. I'm still at the edge. So I can listen again. Okay, so very slow. That's a problem. We want to do something about that. So right off the bat, because we're in the initial assessment, I can do something about this breathing issue. I probably want to put a BVM on and start pacing up her respirations and flowing some oxygen. So I'm going to go to treat oxygen, do this through a, whoops, through, why this, don't you, through a BVM. Why don't you also throw her on the monitor really quick just so that, like, let's pretend your partner's doing this just to be able to show. So I think this case will give you, um, you don't need an EKG right now. So it's very slow pulse rate. That's concerning, right? You could, part you, of could palpate that, monitor. you could palpate that. Yes, I will. Um, so you want like SpO2? Yeah, I'm just saying. I think we show rate, that like blood pressure. We can start doing one minute intervals, check yeah. the temperature, and the glucose. Yep. So yeah. our partner's kind of working on that for us, right? Getting more information. This is all while we're still doing these ABCs, though. And all I want to do with having you do that is going to show. Obviously, we felt like her respiratory was really low. What does it say on that monitor? I'm not in the room, right? Where I can. Uh, sir? Uh, sir, are you okay? Oh my gosh, I warped out of here. <laughs> <laughs> go back uh, in, go back in. I'm back in. I just feel like I'm always on the edge. I'm about to hit you. No, not at all. You're like three feet away from me in real okay, life. Cool. All right. Um, so respirations is eight. Really bad. Yeah, Blood pressure pretty low. ETCO2 is high, so we know that she's hypoventilating. Her 86 saturation is a problem too. So flowing that oxygen and giving that through the BVM, that's important. Awesome. Getting that ETCO2 now, reading will help me too with like pacing her respirations correctly, right? So you can already see that we're starting to change here, which is great. Now let me ask you something. Um, Are you using that BVM correctly? Um, that guy. The phantom guy is. Okay, all right. Got <laughs> that it. guy got is got using it. it. So what we're going to do next is we still need to kind of finish the circulation here. So what I would like to do is palpate that pulse. Obviously, we would have checked this. You can feel this. Heart rate is 58. Mm. Um, so a little low. Then we get the monitor, and I took a look at that EKG. We were showing that, uh, that bradycardia, but it was looking like a sinus. Um, 
So we want to now kind of move on to sample history is what I get, but do I have anyone who can give me a history? No, right? So the only way I can gather information in my secondary assessment would be vital signs, which we're doing. So we're noticing depressed respirations, we're starting to pace her up. Now we need to start thinking of like secondary factors, like what could have caused this, what can improve it, right? So whenever we have like an unconscious unknown like this on a sketchy subway, <laughs> on a sketchy subway bus that's empty after hours and no one's around to explain it, you might want to start thinking about things like uh, opioid usage, right? So I think this scenario might be trying to lean us towards that. But what are some other factors that we should consider? We got four minutes here, Chris, to talk about like other factors we consider. We could consider head trauma, right? So we could do an assess assessment of the head, which we did and, and nothing came up, right? So I don't see any signs of trauma. But you can in these scenarios... Um, for instance, like remove the upper clothes and lower clothes just to see, okay, are there any injuries or anything like that, right? So no injuries. We can do a, we should have done a spinal assessment off the beginning. I did miss that. So we want, would want to check for the spinal assessment. But since he was already on the stretcher, I'm kind of assuming some of that stuff already happened. Um, I don't know. What else can you think of, Chris? Uh, we could have a sugar issue, right? We didn't do an unresponsiveness, but we checked the glucose. That's 97. So lots of factors, different things that could that cause unresponsiveness. But one that we haven't solved for yet is that could there have potentially been opioid use? Because she doesn't seem to be responding super well to the breathing and the oxygenation. Yeah, and so I'd like to highlight the fact that this is an empty subway in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, and again, empty I mean, subway just, in the middle of nowhere. I'm know, not saying that, like, if you're the type of person that likes to hang out in abandoned subways, you definitely do opioids. I'm just saying if you do opioids you probably have been. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, all right. So we'll go, uh, let's start an IV on her. We'll go 18 gauge fluid, normal saline, tubing, oh, 10. Fluid rate, we'll just bolus with TKO, so 250 bag. Sure. So we can get an IV going. You can see that over there now. And then what we can do is we can consider giving her some uh, Narcan. So why don't we... And I feel like, especially with, like, these types of cases where it's unconscious, unknown, you've got decreased respirations, like, mm -hmm. Narcan's not going to hurt someone who hasn't been taking opiates, Correct, so this yeah. is probably something you're going to want to try. Yeah, I worked in, in, in EMS, I worked in two counties. One county is if you had an unresponsive unknown, it was always just give Narcan. The other county was only if they have depressed respirations would you give Narcan in an unconscious unknown. But both are very reasonable protocols for, yeah, you know, <laughs> consider this, go ahead and run that you know, run down your protocol and give that one ready. So I can give this a number of ways. Um, I'm going to do intranasal at this time. Um, so that would be like one in each nostril. So two. Even if you're bagging her, though? Yeah, I mean, good point. I mean, I could also do the, the program also allows me to. This is going to like now overdose her <laughs> on Narcan. But uh, you could also do IV, which I believe is what we start with four. Mm -hmm. Um I always do yeah. Some people do less, some people so do a lot more. IV push, and we'd go slow push a four. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can't technically give too much Narcan. You're just reversing those opioid receptor blockers. So, um, cool. All of a sudden, she just stands up and grabs yeah, you. Yeah, so now what we would want to do is we want to re-monitor, right? We want to do more. So you can already see that, well, you can't really see anything. I was hoping that maybe the cyanosis would start to go away in the hands here. But now we would want to probably move her to the ambulance. So now we're in the back of there and we're transporting and now we want to kind of continue our ongoing assessment. This ambulance is the size of my garage. <laughs> so we want to continue. There's a the lot of space. There's a lot right. of space in this ambulance. So we go back to vitals. We get another EKG. We go ahead and. Uh... And what's nice about these cases is that if you're building them out on your own in VR patients, like you can have the vital, like, I don't know if in this case her vital signs end up changing or not, but like you yeah. can make them change and things like that, so. Yeah, so we now have her at SpO2 of 100, so they're changing for there sure. You, you know, at, through that oxygenation, we, we crank that up, which is great. We can recycle a blood pressure and see if it changes. It all kind of depends on if the programmer in this demo case decided to put that in, but let's go ahead and like take the blood pressure now. Ah, oh, she's oh my gosh. She's pointing at me. She's getting combative. Oh, wow. So then this can happen, right? So we took away her high, and now she's getting a little bit antsy and angry. So she's, she's like moving she's around. That's amazing. This didn't happen last time we did this scenario. We did it wrong last time, apparently. Well, I de-escalated her, I think. She, <laughs> she, she's or, the Narcan, or the Narcan wore off. Yeah, that could be true, too. So 87 over 63, still low. You know, ETCO2, I really think I'd be seeing a little bit better with and this also, pacing of BVM. You put her on a saline lock, I probably would give her a bolus of fluid. Yeah, let's do that. She is hypotensive, isn't she? Good call. Oh, she's making some noises, getting fussy. 
You see that? Do you yep. hear her too? She's, she's strangling your yeah, paramedic so like, stop partner. Stop doing the BVM, dude. She doesn't like it. Take it off. <laughs> Maybe switch her to a non-rebreather. Interesting. Or, this is yeah. cool. Yeah. So we could like reassess airway then and everything. Give her some morphine to I calm her before, down. Before the 19 seconds is up, I want to try to get a bolus. Maybe give her some morphine to calm her down. Change it. <laughs> give her opiates. Give her morphine. Find that sweet spot. So it looks like you can change it and you can switch like, still want the antecubital left and then 18 gauge and I have three seconds, normal saline and I would choose a bolus this time and I ah, win. You won. Success. <laughs> she looks great. <laughs> no, so very cool. I, I did not really did not see that last time. So I wonder if giving the Narcan, we didn't have enough time in between. You yeah. know, Chris. Well, and you, so, you could see in the case where like it didn't it didn't change right away. Yeah. But within within a minute or so, it did change. Which Just kind of like cool. in real life. Yep. All right, let's leave. Where are you going? Let's get out of here. <laughs> so open the doors. Can you jump on the back outside. side. You can kind of get a peek of outside, and it looks like it's evening. Yep. Very cool. So awesome. Wonderful you open the back of the ambulance, and now you're in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I want to start. Let's start tying this to other games. Let me bring an actual dude in. Well, look how bad those feet are. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, let me bring a dude in after Call of Duty, after I shot him in Call of Duty, and then patch him back up just to shoot him again in the stomach. <laughs> and it's like, I get double points for it. That'd be, that'd be so, really cool. Um, I wonder how, yeah, you can, like, these piglies are looking rough. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so, yeah, VR patients, awesome. very cool. Good review of... Uh, some assessment and, and going through our primary, secondary, and ongoing assessments. And now Chris and I are gonna do a little debrief and talk about what, how we felt. So how did you think that went? I think it was good. I mean, I think like, again, I think you can see, there's always those nuances in, in any new technology thing too, right? Like having, figuring out where the next button is to click and move things over, yeah. but it does give you such a better, it's, it's, it's way more fun. It's way more fun to learn in that way. Like to right. actually see it and go through it. And like, I think students retain things so much better when they have to, it's one thing to, for me to sit with like an, with like my instructor or whatever and be like, and I would do this next and I would do this next. And I'm just reading off a list in my head, but to actually in some ways have to do it. You know what I mean? Like that is the retention rate of that is going to be tremendously higher. Right. And that's what I think like, it's so easy to sit there with a sheet of paper and go, okay. And then I, you know, check up all. So like forcing you to do that, especially when you've solved the mystery in a case. Like I think a lot of times in education, we are just trying to get to the like bottom line. Like, what case is this? What in this narrative, what are they trying to get me to? Or like in this VR scenario, what are they trying? Okay. It's a chest pain call or, okay, it's a Narcan. It's a, you know, I need to administer yeah. Narcan. And then you're like, great, I can be done now. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you need the practice and going through every step because right. that's where the nuances come in and that's where things are going to change. You need to be adaptable and you need practice doing all of these steps. So from I run an educator into that, standpoint, I run awesome. into that a ton. I mean, like, like even as a physician, like I, I know how to do a systematic exam. Like I know how to do, I guess I've done hundreds if not thousands of the, I mean like, but when, to your point, like you get to the diagnosis, you're like, all right, cool. And then you're like, oh, I didn't listen to their lungs. <laughs> you yeah. know, especially in VR. And, and one of the, some of the stuff like you would do in person because you're there doing it mm -hmm. and in, you know, in a VR type or like an even a augmented reality, like, like when you're, when you're doing simulated training, it's not as intuitive to like, Oh, now I need to check the lungs and stuff like that. But that's actually a good thing because it forces you to slow down for a second. And actually, because I'll be honest, there have been times where like I walked out of a patient's room and went, Oh crap. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like listen to their lungs. I like, yeah. like I got I, I went through the whole like their HP their their history. I did a physical, but like I didn't like. And then I come out and I'm and then I'm like going to write my note and then like lung sounds. I'm like well, crap. You know what right. I mean? Like it, it it's easy to fall back into like oh yeah I, I already know what you have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as like, we, as you become an expert in something, you you can have a tendency to start abandoning the basics of that assessment. And like that is something that like every sh provider should be doing every step every time. Mm -hmm. And we forget that because we think like, well, I know this. You know what I mean? I know this stuff. And it's like, yeah. no, you have to be able to do step by step and like define that. It's easy it's to lose the habit. It's yeah. easy to lose the habit. You know and I, mean? I think that simulated training and VR training uh, as a form of simulated training forces you to develop those habits well yeah. because forces you to do it. It's not going to let you move on until right, you're, yeah. you're through that next part. So, Well, what is great about this is that like with VR patients is like even those cases you saw us do, we could go 
there are hundreds if not thousands of other scenarios like we can you can make the blood pressure do something different you can so you and you can in doing so not i wouldn't say test but you can train on different things Mm -hmm. so it could be the same scenario but maybe this time i want to focus in on what would happen if i didn't do one piece or Mm -hmm. what would happen if i did this extra thing or what would you know what i mean like you can really start to build these things out and create the patient scenarios what also is really cool about this too is i, I think about this as a as a physician how many times i see a patient in the emergency department and i'll learn something new and then i'll go share that with a colleague and be like oh my gosh i had a case like that one time too how cool would it be if every person could see every case that has been seen because it's then gone and been built out in VR, right? right. That would be super cool, right? Yeah. Now, now I can go and I can, like, I can go find these d- interesting or different or, like, rare cases and then, like, point people to them. Be like, oh, hey, like, what I'm, you know, I mean, this happens all the time where we're sitting down as healthcare providers, like, oh, I saw this crazy case, blah, 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 and be like, oh, wow, that, that must have been so interesting. Like, oh, I was like, hey, you want to go do it? You want to go, yeah. you want to go jump into the, I built it in VR. Why don't we go just like do it together and I'll show you what, like that yeah. would be, that's what a cool thing we can do in healthcare education to be able to like, I mean, obviously you can see how that helps everyone. It helps every practitioner get better. It helps every patient in the sense that like, is that we, we, yeah. we see things that we wouldn't normally see. Now you're not reliant. What's crazy about this in this kind of digital world is now we're not reliant on our own experiences and building up that practice the years of yeah. practice and now like you're an older physician you're like oh i've got all this stuff to pass on like what if it could be passed on immediately as part of initial training what if i could see all these cases before i even saw yeah, a my experience my experience can become your experience yeah. and if you think of that too like the multi-faceted approach of like if we did interdisciplinary care too like now a paramedic can see what a nurse is doing with that patient later because yeah. they can jump in and see that scenario now a nurse can see what the doctor did with it now the doctor can see the you know, the initial doctor can see what the specialist yeah. did. You know, and so you can start looking and seeing this like more holistic care and seeing all the facets of it so that you can increase your understanding. So much of what we do on this podcast is taking basics, breaking them down and mm-hmm. showing you the different facets of it, right? This is another tool to be able to do that. So yeah. I will say like, if you guys liked this VR approach, like we may do other, you know, CMEs or just, uh, you know, video casts doing this, if it's something that you guys enjoy. So please like comment, send us a message. Do what you got to do. Let us know if you liked it because uh, we're certainly willing to do more. Um, yeah. And VR Patients has been gracious enough to let us uh, play around in their software. And so maybe we'll start a sub channel. I just had this thought. You ready? Oh, we start God. a sub channel. No, no, no. Just talk about your delusions of grandeur in yeah, the psych here, episode. Yeah, yeah. Here it comes. We start a sub channel where you guys, as listeners, can write in cases that you had. We'll go build a mountain VR Patients and run through them. That'd be pretty cool. That sounds like a ton of work for Jason. Well. But it'd be really cool. Yeah. So we might not. <laughs> we'll just keep that in mind. But first, let's just start with right, send right, us right. some comments, send us some emails, let us know if you liked this, if you want to okay. see more of this. And uh, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start there. I'm like, and Jason will go build out all your cases. All right, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time. Stay sweet. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking a listen. Uh, If you are studying for the National Registry exam, we're here to help. We have a National Registry prep program uh, to help you pass that exam. Check us out at guardiantestprep.com. If you'd like continuing education credits uh, for listening to our podcast or watching this on YouTube, follow us at guardiancme.com. 100% free CAPSI credits. Uh, No matter what state or country you're in, uh, we're here to help. So again, we thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week.